0: Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Lady Chow Fung and Kenny for another episode of Wuxia Weekend. Today we're going to be talking about the film Legendary Weapons of China. This is a 1982 Lau Kar-Lung film. It stars Lau Kar-Lung, Zhao Ho, Alexander Fu Kara Hui, and Gordon Liu. Um, the movie is basically a Boxer Rebellion film. It's about uh, the Yeho Society and its assistant uh, branch manager in Yunnan who disbands the branch uh, in, in order to uh, avoid having to watch his students massacre themselves because they all believe that they're immune to bullets. And so the, they send a bunch of assassins after them. And each of the assassins has sort of a different motivation. And that's sort of the what drives the movie is, you know, one assassin wants to uh, protect him. One of the assassins is uh, committed to killing him. And another one is, uh, is is sort of forced to make a choice as he learns more. And there's more to the film than that, but that's sort of the, the crux of it. Uh, so, you know, before we get into it, I just wanted to know what you guys thought of the movie. Uh, Lady Xiaofeng, I think you've seen this before, but Kenny, I think this is your first time seeing it. Um, yep. But we saw... Uh, what was it Boxer Rebellion not long ago so there might be some points of you know commonality there um, but what were you, what were your thoughts on this one
1: um, I enjoyed it I feel like the sort of the setting was sort of a lot less important than the sort of showcasing of the um, the martial arts skills or the people involved and demonstrating you know, or the 18 weapons of China I guess as it were um and I I think there was a very nice blend of humor um, it, from I guess uh, Alexander Fusheng's character. So, so, uh, his scenes were, were the most humorous, I thought, in in, in the movie. But um, as as a whole, I really I enjoyed the movie. Um, but it was I it didn't inspire me as much as actually the 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 boxer. Uh, um, what was the boxer? Boxer's uh, uh, Rebellion. Yeah, Boxer Rebellion was. Uh, I don't know, I, I feel like that that one spurred me more to sort of look into the, the, the actual rebellion and uh, um, and learn more about it, whereas this one is just like yeah, more just enjoying the visuals and the choreography than anything else.
2: Um, I like this movie, it's one of my favorite that has um, the Kara Hui um, Lao Kar Leung character um, as director and He does the choreography for martial arts and Gordon Liu. Um, It's one of my favorites of their movies together. I think it had the right amount of comedy. It also had a lot of physicality to it. Um, Some of the comedy was definitely physical based, um, but the other characters that were not comedic also were put through some physical paces. Um, I think the storyline is good. With it's not over convoluted, but it's a really good movie. I like the showcase of the different weapons, and I think that there, if there aren't exactly eighteen, it's very close to it.
0: And uh, yeah, and I I really like this movie. The first time I saw it, I was really impressed with it, and I think it's the kind of film that. It's, you're really there if you, if if you're largely there for the martial arts and stuff. When you watch a movie like this, you're not going to be disappointed. It's got a lot of really good martial arts and the and the comedy is also physical. So there's just so many. It's it's it really is like a cross between like a Chaplin film and um and, and a great martial arts movie. And it also but it also has like you know like a, a lot of magic in it too, which uh and so I was noticing this time around just how much wire work is in this one. And, and I don't really think of wire work quite as much when I'm thinking of a Lau Kar-Lung movie. Uh, I mean, maybe he makes extensive use of it and I just don't notice. But but here I was really picking up on it, like in the scene where Alexander Fuxiung is balancing on one leg, and it's obvious that they're using a wire, even though I couldn't see the wire, I knew it was there. And the scene where, they're, uh, where the two men are fighting underneath the thatchet roof overhang, and and you can you know it's just it just it's just all like sort of wire work and lightness kung fu um i really liked how that was blended with the magic uh and and just it worked visually for me um so i so i i you know I, i quite enjoy the movie but but i you know like i said i think i think that the strength of it is the is the choreography and the the physical performances and 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 the comedy um in fact i watched it with my my wife and uh, which is rare. She doesn't usually watch these movies with me and, and she, you know, her big comment was that she thought it was really funny. Um, so I do think there's a, definitely a lot of humor in this one. Um, but what did you guys think of the opening? I mean, Lao Kar Lung always has these great openings. We were talking about the, uh, the Marshall club last time with the, with the lion dance. And, and, and so this is sort of similar where the movie is framed around the 18 arms of Wushu and, we get this opening that's pretty dark it's like a dark background and then just you know we get we get a demonstration of all the ver- various weapons used by uh, the main protagonists in the movie
1: it was very striking um i mean it, it's it's definitely frames it like you say because it sets the expectation on what on what we should expect from the movie from the get go i think you know it, the, the 18 weapons were as far as things go, a key part of the plot, <laughs> as uh, <laughs> as far as the plot goes, anyway. Um, and the, yeah, the the demonstration of 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 the weapons was quite interesting. I mean, some some of them were a bit. I guess some of the weapon choices of, I so I say choices, but some of the weapons that they they claim belonged in the collection were a bit redundant like t- different types of spears like some of them are just like a little bit adding a little bit here doesn't really make that much difference does it or <laughs> um but i don't know it was, it's was pretty cool like I, I guess people who are already fans of martial arts and chinese martial arts in particular will, will already know most of the weapons but um i think the the sort of the i guess it's uh, the um what was it? The... The weird hook sword things with the little... With the little uh, hand guards that are the crescent moon shaped. And... Um, also I think they the were the weird... double
0: tiger hook swords, maybe?
1: Yeah. And then there was also, like, the actual, like, hook swords as well, um, which I thought were pretty uncool and unusual. But...
0: Yeah, there were a lot of interesting weapons. I, th- I think that the 18 weapons can vary considerably, but... Uh... They, they, they announce each one at the end of the movie as they're, as they're displaying them. And the, and now, this is available on Amazon and on Netflix. Unfortunately, on the Amazon one, all you get is the Chinese characters for the weapons. You don't get a translation of what it is. But on the Netflix version, they do translate it. Um, which, and I think that's what they do on the DVD version as well. Um, but it's, it's incredibly helpful to actually have the name of the weapon as it's, as it's flying across the screen. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of that opening, I don't know. I just love openings like that. I, I really like it when they when they do like a form or they have some kind of like like basically like a demo team type thing going on. Um, you know, I, it just gets me excited to see the film. I think the the first time I remember noticing something like that was when I saw the movie Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Jackie Chan does that that form at the start of it with that weird music, and and ever since then I've been just hooked on movies that. That begin that way, um, but uh, Is but yeah, sorry, sort of like the
1: uh, signature style of um, of
0: Well, no, no, because that was a Yuan Wu Ping film, I think. So I mean, it, it, it's just something that I. I mean, Lao Karlung does seem to do it a lot, um, but also Cheng. I, I think there have been Cheng chai movies that open this Cheng way. Cheng chai does it yeah. too.
2: He's um, okay. displayed Alexander from in a couple of his openings.
0: It's just it's just a really cool way to start a film. I don't know. It's just because because you like you it it sort of says like this is a this is like really important there, there's a there's there's a there's a deep sort of foundation to what you're seeing on
1: the screen is kind of how it how it comes across to me um, it's kind of like how the james bond movies how it was like the opening of the james bond Actor walking across the screen, suddenly he turns around and fires the gun. Yeah. 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 And I'm a
0: sucker for those too. Do you know? What I mean? Like I love the J- like I honestly, like I sometimes I like the James Bond openings more than I like the James Bond movie. You know? Um <laughs> And this is kind of the same. Like sometimes these openings are so great you can just watch them on your own. Uh or on their own. Um but uh Lady Cho Fung, did you uh did you get a way in on that one or did you have any thoughts? Um, I,
2: think, I think the opening opening sequences are really great. You see different actors um, using the different weapons, and it does get you excited for what you're going to see because then, I don't know for anybody else, but for me, I was waiting to see each one of those weapons being used in the movie and trying to check them off mentally as I was going.
0: Yeah, I was trying to do that, too. Though I, I, I would do it for, like, i could maintain my focus on that for like up to three or four weapons and then i would just forget and 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 start watching what was going on um i found that incredibly difficult to do maybe that's maybe that's because of the internet
1: i don't know um yeah i feel like if i got a chance to watch the movie a couple more times i'd i definitely start a little uh... Chart on a notepad or something. Just take it, tick it off as as we go and count off. Make sure that all eighteen get a, an adequate amount of screen time, just for for fairness <laughs> sake. What what
0: I like about the eighteen weapons thing, it feels like the kind of constraint like a poet gives themselves when they're writing. You know what I mean? It's like that, except the poetry here is the fight choreography, and so it's like a um, it's just an interesting frame to have to operate under. Uh, you know, like because you know you have the title. And actually, is that what the title actually means? Do we know if, um, if, yeah, if this? Is... Chinese. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, if, so you start with that title, and it's like you know, as a viewer, you're like, okay, I know I'm going to see 18 weapons that are that are or uh, the legendary weapons of, of China. So, um, uh, you know, if if it do, if it doesn't deliver, you uh, you you know you 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 notice. Um,
1: It'd be like if Lord of the Rings was had no rings in the movie whatsoever. <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: yeah. If they if they if they just uh, if they just ate second breakfast the whole the whole movie or the whole book. Um, but uh, but okay, but uh, this is kind of a related thing because we we were talking about it, but. But we do need to get into the subs versus the dubs because we we were in, in the discussion before the podcast. It was pretty clear that 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 had some there were some issues with the dubs uh, versus the subs. And uh, and again, it's on the on the Amazon version. If you if you're watching it on a streaming service, you can uh, you can see it with the dubs. And on the Netflix version, you can I think you can alternate between the two of them. Um, and and I mean, I think we all kind of agree that the, the dubs were kind of a they're kind of bad in this one um, but I don't know what 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 was uh what what were your guys thoughts on that one
2: my yeah, main I- uh, go ahead
1: go, Kenny. You go ahead uh, go, you first.
2: my main issue with the doves was the sound the voice act actors that they chose for the actors just were really really off for me um, for Alexander Fusheng's character Mo, they had this really silly, high-pitched tone voice that really annoyed me, and it made his character so much sillier and immature and stupider than it is in the um, subbed version. Um, And that kind of threw me off, because I remember the first time I watched it, it was in it had subtitles, so when I went to go watch it on Amazon and it was dubbed and this horrible, squeaky voice comes through, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't barely watch this. But um, yeah, the, the dubbing really ruined the movie for me that I had to go back and watch it on Netflix with the, um, the subs. The subs were so much better.
0: Yeah, I, I think the subs made a big difference in this one. The the, the dubs, like you said, I think they lowered the uh, uh, the quality of the characters in a lot of ways. I thought that the the, the Lei Kung character came off terribly in the dubs, and uh, he he, so- he sounded like really almost out of his wits. And the uh, and, and and I think that the word selection was bad. Um, but Kenny, I think I know you had a couple of issues with with the dubs that you were wondering about too.
1: Yeah, like I, I mean, I, so the voices was one thing. Like, yeah, you know, they all sounded a little bit off, just the intonation and and stuff. Like they, you know, they were. It, it was obvious that they were reading off a script, kind of thing, rather than like acting anything out. Um, but my main issue with the dubs is the content. So it it, it makes it very confusing to sort of understand um, the conversations that are going on, and I felt like um that just led to me not being sure like why characters are doing what they're doing or acting the way they are so it's it's a bit of a disjoint between how what the dubs are saying and what's going on on the screen sometimes
0: yeah and i i do think that the 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 subtitled version was so much more clear about what was happening and it connected more to what seemed to be going on and the dub version i think i think there was just i don't know it just didn't feel as tight it felt like there was some Maybe some issues with uh, and, and maybe that was due to them trying to you know sort of smash it into a dub and and make sure that they you know they they because they, they do want it to sort of match the lips more. But uh, I, I I think that I think this is a movie where if if you have the opportunity to see it with the subtitles, I, I I'd go more with that. Even though um uh I uh you know again I the, the only thing that gives me pause is once once I had once I've already seen it enough with the subs I don't really need to anymore and I think that I can uh, I can enjoy watching the movie with the dubs so that I can focus more on the action um and that's that's another sort of aspect of it
1: um yeah just because, to point out that I like, get so on on Amazon you know, there are subtitles as well but I think the subtitles are just a mirror of what the dubs are saying so yeah. um yeah, if you are going to watch the Amazon Prime version, the the subtitles there are also just as terrible as the dub in terms of trying to understand the story. Yeah. I
2: didn't have that option because I would have just muted it and put the subtitles on <laughs> if I had had that option.
0: Yeah, I, I did get the subtitles at the bottom of the screen, but like I couldn't change the audio at all. It was all it was all uh, in English dub, and. Uh, and like Kenny said, the the subs just seem to be a reflection of what the dubs were doing. Um but uh but I guess another thing that we want to probably talk about, because this is Kara Hoy month, and yes. and uh and and this is you know, this is a uh you know, this is a movie that's you know, got a, a full cast, so it's not just her, but her character's important. And, you know, I know I noticed a couple of things about her this movie. I thought we should maybe talk about her. Uh one of the things that stuck out at me and this film was just how, how light and fast she is uh, in that opening sequence. Um, I mean, we always comment on her, her grace and her skill at performing in these kind of movies. Uh, but she was like exceptionally fast, I thought, and, and, and light moving. Um, and, uh, and again, I know there's like a reverse crank thing that often goes on. But this, this still seemed very, uh, very quick to me. Uh, and and I, I I I didn't quite notice that before, um, but I don't know if you guys had any any thoughts that struck you about her performance.
2: I thought um, her performance was wonderful. I think with each movie, she she gets better and better um, with her performance and just the physicality of some of the things that she had to do in the movie, like. Um, she was fighting in the alley with the um, with the other assassin that she was trying to persuade to her side. And uh, the fighting, my favorite fight scene of hers was the actual fighting in the um, inn up in the attic part where the, one was pretending to be a cat and the other one was pretending to be a rat. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool um, fight, the way that kind of all, Worked out the noises that they made trying to hide their actual fighting noises. Um, I thought that was uh, really good, and the kind of trying to show it in a tight space, fighting in a tight space, was really good.
1: No. I- I definitely thought she did very well in terms of the physical performance here and I I, I think she I, I don't know I can't remember how this movie sort of sits in, in the time in, in in the timeline of things of her sort of a uh, uh, filmography but um, I feel like she did lose quite a bit of confidence in in the fight scenes here and maybe that's what sort of lends to the sharpness of her strikes it's just like um, she seemed very at home with, with what, what was going on.
0: Yeah, no, she did. You know, I, I, I got that too. And I was wondering how much of it was her being confident versus her character being very, I don't know, self-assured. Like, she was always kind of smiling when she, you know, she would she would deliver a strike and have this smile on her face. Um, but, yeah, she seemed very confident in this movie. And I think, I again, I, th- I think that's something that, you know, it's kind of like a... It, it's the sort of thing that, like, you, you you notice it, like, when you watch like a Bruce Lee movie, like that kind of charisma, um, that is, you know, not like a, a lot of people can do the physical performance. But um, there's a there's a, a reviewer called the Silver Spleen that that I sometimes mention in the show, and he was talking about another unrelated movie. But one of the things he said about Bruce Lee uh, with um, the uh, uh, you know when he came up was that in you know when he first saw him in the in the big boss i think it was in the big boss uh you couldn't not look at him do you know what I mean like you had to look at him like it's just impossible and and like if you watch bruce lee movies you know exactly what he's talking about and i feel like this was very similar like when she's doing that you like you have to look at her she's just got that kind of star power um and so i think that's maybe the confidence that you're uh that you're that you're uh getting at but um but yeah, know I just I, I just kind of wanted to at least spend some time commenting on on uh, on on that topic because she's the the you know we do we do these monthly themes and she and, and this month is is Karahoy month. Um, but uh, but another thing I noticed too was um, uh, and again, I mean this is uh, you know, a lot of movies have this trope, but when she was dressed as the man, I realized just how much <laughs> she looked like the girl from Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. And it never occurred to me that oh maybe that was like a specifically calling back to this movie, um, you know. It's possible there was another film that it was that it was calling back to, but uh, but but to, but to did... be
1: fair, like when it comes to like um, yeah, women cross dressing as men in, in martial arts movies, they all tend to look the same to me. That's <laughs> they, true. They always seem to go for the same look, don't they? Because they have to go for the 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 youthful young master look type of thing. Because yeah, but traditionally i guess yeah w- w- women were supposed to be you know slighter of build and and more fair of skin than <laughs> than you know, the tan burly men in martial arts movies right
0: no and that's and it's been a long time since i've seen crouching tiger hidden dragon so my memory of of what she's wearing might actually be wrong um and like i said it could you know there could be another movie that, they, that the director was was thinking of or he could have just been thinking of 18 different movies but uh <laughs>
3: <laughs> but but I,
0: I felt like this seemed quite similar, uh, just just at a gut level. Um, uh, you know, if I, I guess at some point we're going to have to do Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon anyway. So when we do, we can make a point of uh, of comparing them. Um, but something about the costume just seemed very similar to me. Um, and again, I'm it's... with
2: Kenny. I think they all wear the same costume mm-hmm. when they're pretending to be men. Okay. I don't know. It just seems that way to me.
0: I know I might be barking up the wrong tree here. Um but uh but I'm going to keep an eye on it when we get to Crouching Tiger. Um and uh but I guess an- another thing that's somewhat connected uh is uh the um sort of the there's a thing going on in this movie where people are just using kung fu like willy-nilly. They're using kung fu and magic for like things that you wouldn't really need kung fu and magic for, almost like uh, the Shaolin Soccer film, where where they're using kung fu for everyday usages, I I felt like uh, like the opening scene, when uh, when uh, you know T T N goes to uh, is receives the the uh, eunuch, and and he and he wants to give the eunuch like a private audience, so he uses he he like opens his arm and there's this big blast of smoke and his whole retinue of men just go. You know, flying out of the room so that he can have a moment of privacy with the eunuch. It, it, you know, it's, it's it he he could have just said to them, "Hey, you know, give us a moment," and and they would have they would have been just as fast a time walked away. Um,
1: I, I feel like it's tied to so the the actual plot of the movie though. So these sort of theatrics are basically the whole. Um, the core sort of identity of the ye, uh, the ye war, ye, uh, the Yi ye war movement, yeah, the yu war sort of the boxer rebellion, basically, is all built around this idea that martial artists at the, at the pinnacle, yeah, you know, are, are t- turned into mystic beings that are immune to bullets, basically, right? So I feel like they, these sorts of yeah, by by yeah, so frequently using these. Sort of flat of hands, smoke and mirror stuff. It's the, it's sort of um, playing on, on the on the theme that these people are believing in in in, in the lies that you know that, that, that they have magical powers.
0: No, I think that's true, and I think I think it touches on another theme too, which is the um the whole idea that uh, the Lei Kung character, his big flaw is he can't help but show off his 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 kung fu, which is the way that they're gonna. Be able to find him in hiding, right? That he, uh, you know, he he can't really conceal his kung fu because he unconsciously shows it off. But uh, but I feel like that was a similar thing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's this, you know, when you reach when you reach this level of mastery, that you just can't turn it off. It's 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 like part of it's part of what you're part of what you do. And it also felt like a meta thing, like in these movies, what like like for example, with the Alexander Fu character, he's supposed to be a guy who doesn't know martial arts. And and he has a scene where he has to pretend to be a martial arts guy, and and you can tell that he's turning it down a notch, but he still clearly is a human being who knows martial arts. Do you know what I mean? Like it's uh, and and you see the same thing in like you know again in a Jackie Chan movie. I know that there's <laughs> there must be more than one because it just seems like I, I encounter this a lot with him where uh, films where he has to pretend that he either doesn't know martial arts for some reason or that his martial arts is greatly diminished and you know he's but he's jackie chan like he can't just turn it off you know it's 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 uh it's it's part of who he is and so i i think i think that's kind of i don't know you see that sort of throughout the whole movie uh at at every level of it um but i'm sorry dion did you want to say something you look like you were trying to break in there
2: yeah i was just gonna say that alexander fush character was kind of brilliant and that he was the impersonator of a kung fu master, but really being a kung fu master, and not really being able to hide it. Um, you know, just what what you were saying, it's hard to turn that off um, when you're trying to fake it. There's another movie that came to mind when I saw this was uh, Ways of Kung Fu with um, Chi Kuan Chun. He plays a character that at the beginning of the movie, doesn't know any kung fu. And you know he's a kung fu master and kind of like his movements are kind of fluid. But then by the end of the movie, he, he's a real kung fu master. So it was just, it shows the acting ability too of the of the actor being able to downplay their abilities, even though they kind of still shine through.
0: Yeah, because that, that Alexander Shung duel in the street when he's pretending to be Lei Kung that's. I think that's one of my favorite fights in the movie, because it's just, it's just so entertaining. It's got it's got like all the stuff I like about martial arts, but it's also got all the slapstick, and it's not. But it's not slapstick in like a Jackie Chan style way. It's like a different kind. It's like it just it feels. I don't know more like Chaplin or something. It's got like a there's a different vibe to it. I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, you know, or like a Jim Carrey type thing, like we were saying before with Alexander Fu But but uh, but I I I just. I I think that that scene, the first time I saw the movie, that scene kind of bothered me because it felt like so out of place with the rest of the film. Do you know what I mean it's like this? It's like this extended comedic sequence that almost feels like it's not really connected to the rest of the movie somehow. But the more I watch the movie, the more I that's like my, become my favorite section of the film. Um, and and I think it's just the I don't know the uh, kind of what we're talking about, like the the idea of this guy who's not he's not supposed to be a martial artist but he's being played by a guy who really does know all this stuff and uh and so he still sort of it it still kind of radiates that um but he's able to because he doesn't have to be like the best martial artist in the world like he doesn't have to you know he's not trying to demonstrate that uh he's able to do all these goofy things that that uh that that just make you laugh um but uh but yeah, so I don't getting into that. What what did you guys think of that sort of I guess number 1, the Alexander Fushun character cuz he's kind of a weird guy, but the the duel in the street and the um and the and the situation at the outhouse that he ends up in <laughs> soon afterwards.
1: I mean, it, I'm a bit conflicted because I, on one hand, I feel like you could cut out Alexander Fu from the movie and find another arbitrary reason for how um, uh, what was Xiao Ho's character's name again? Um, Tian uh, Tian Hao. Like uh, another sort of excuse for why he catches a cold and you know need, needs to be nursed back or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, on, on the other hand, yeah, you know, that that scene was so well done and. Uh, and uh, and you know it, and it's such an amusing part of the movie. It's just like I, I, it, it, I it, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm quite conflicted with whether it, whether I feel like it belongs or not.
0: Well, I think sometimes we get really hung up on this idea of can you can you pare down like a good movie is one that's pared down and tightly focused. Like like Bright with White Hair. That was it. That was an example of a movie that I think we all agreed was like concise in a way it was it it, it, it it really was well structured and one scene flowed into the next and it didn't feel like there was a lot of wasted space but one of the things that makes this movie entertaining is the superfluous scenes you know the, the scenes that aren't necessarily essential to the film but they give it its overall character and and I think that this is one for me that's that's where I would file it but I I, I totally get what you're saying because it's like you could remove this from the movie and the plot would be pretty much unaffected like all you need to really establish is uh is how uh how uh the xiao ho character gets sick um you know that's that's the really big thing that sort of re- result that results from it um so yeah i don't know dion do you have any thoughts
2: well for me it's I mean, well yeah you could cut um alexander Sheng's uh, scenes out and it still would be a great movie and you There would be another way for um, the cold to be caught and everything. But to me, it's like each one of the characters has to figure out. Each one of the assassins has to figure out how to draw um, Uncle Yu out into the open Mm -hmm. so that they can assassinate him or protect him. And uh, each one of them has their way of doing it. And I think Alexander's impersonation of him was to draw him out in order for one group of assassins to to get to him. Um, The other one was that you just look for his movements. A guy who doesn't know that he's using his kung fu. You know, and then I don't know what Cara he was supposed to be, how she was trying to figure out who it was. But I think, so I don't know. I'm kind of torn like Kenny. You can take it out, but then I can see the arc that it's taking and how it fits in. But it's a good scene.
0: No, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like such an enjoyable scene. Like every time I've talked with people about this movie, they talk about that scene. Like those two scenes both get talked about. You can't. You can't not talk about him somehow. Uh, the outhouse scene is—it's—it's it's just weird. It's like gets its uncomfortable at times because it's in an outhouse and there's like sewage water underneath, and that's how Zhao, Zhao Ho's character gets sick. Uh, and so you know there's a lot of cringe cr- cringing components to that scene, but also it's like it's, it's a really cool fight scene where he's where Alexander Fu So in the first scene. He's a guy pretending to be a kung fu master, and he's really hamming up, sort of the, you know, I'm an invincible kung fu guy. But they're using like little dirty tricks to 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 deceive the audience. But then in the next scene, he's controlled by the the Lei Jung character with a with like a um, ventriloquist doll, basically, like they, he like it's like a voodoo doll. He's he's just manipulating his body and having him fight, and and that's some of the most like that to me is some of the most impressive physical acting in the Mm -hmm. in the movie because you there's not a moment that i don't buy that alexander fusheng is this puppet you know what i mean and that i like that's got to be really hard to do uh and again it was like I said it was definitely wire work but that scene where he lifts up his leg and he's just wavering back and forth was uh i don't know that that's that's like up there with like all the you know like like the, the, you know, the, the great sort of chaplain moments and stuff. It's just that kind of performance. Um, so I, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think you could story wise, you could take it out, but you wouldn't want to take it out because it's, it adds so much to the movie overall. Um, and it's just a, you know, just a, like a classic, you know, sequence of, uh, you know, of, 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 uh, of martial arts. Um, but uh but yeah so uh i guess the 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 other thing that um that came to mind when i was watching this was was the edutainment uh aspect of lao karlung movies like this is you know this is legendary weapons of china we're sort of being it almost seems like we're being given an education in in uh the 18 arms of wushu here and 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 again in the last movie we did was the marshall club we got an education on you know the 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 lion dance and and so there there does often seem to be that framing in a lao Kar lung movie um and i'm just curious if anybody had thoughts on that if they thought that was a good thing or if they thought that it if it ever weighs the movies down
1: i, I feel like they could have done like it, it... I, I don't know if it was like a you know like a conscious choice from local to, uh, uh, to to make it sort of educational, but if if it, if it was supposed to be educational, like explaining it a little bit like i don't know or, or, I, I don't feel like they sort of showed the the specialty of each of the weapons off mm. if that makes sense uh, or you know that all the shortcomings of so i guess mean, there are some parts like you know for the, the spear you know the fact that um when the, when the fighting of the spear the getting close in range sort of completely negates the weapon yeah that sort of stuff but uh, more for the you know the the more obscure things Um, like from what I can see the three sessions um, nunchucks were basically overpowered as hell apparently but (laughs) I'm not, I'm not sure how the weapon balance in this game goes, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, and I, th- I think for edu- edutainment, I was just thinking more in terms of introducing the concept to people, like making you know making sure they sort of grasp that aspect of it.
1: Um... Well, I mean, I guess you know the, the, there were some weapons where you look at it and they're using it in a very basic way, and and it's just not really. And it's hard to hard to see what the extra bits are there for, like what what purpose did they serve? Like, you know, if they could showcase the uniqueness of these weapons a little bit more and what sets them apart from the other weapons, like not 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 verbally or anything, mm-hmm. but you know, in in within the choreography itself, I feel like that would have. Okay. I don't know, I, that, felt, that, that. I felt like
0: the weapons kind of got... Like, I, I don't know, I'd have to watch it again with that criticism in mind, but I feel like the weapons got the... Uh, they sort of got a shine as the weapon, do you know what I mean? Like, I sort of... Yeah. But I'd have to watch it again more closely thinking about that to really, you know, dig into that particular idea. Um, and it's
1: mostly the last fight scene where where, where, where this is applicable because they, they do the entire showcase of the weapons. Yeah or at least we, th- we think so we need a notepad to make sure <laughs> I,
0: you know you know what struck me about that scene is I thought that it was really more about the poetic like rhythm that it was establishing like like there was this escalation tour like where they where they finally sort of get reduced to just using the 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 unarmed technique and it's like and that's like the like the pinnacle of the martial arts like that's like when uh you, you it just I don't know I thought, I thought that really worked but another thing I noticed was the, the musical quality that the weapons were adding to the, to the scenes. Like, I mean, I've I've talked about it in the past with other movies where like, there's a, there's a thing that goes on with the sound effects they use that, that like really kind of makes it engaging and exciting. But in this one, I noticed it a lot because they kept switching weapons up all the time. And so they go from one weapon to the other and the tones of the, of the sound effects are changing. And, and like, like when they use the shields, it's like a drum you know just this this bashing sound and then the and and then like you know like that's like contrasting with like the whipping and chiming of the swords and you know and then like you get like thudding when it's two wooden weapons and i just i thought that was kind of cool that, that that you were just getting this rapid change up of the sound effects as the weapons were shifting
1: that reminds me of uh documentary i once saw when i was in hong kong i think where there was like the special effects people were talking about how they make the noises for this sort of thing and uh I don't know maybe maybe I don't know if we can find anything similar for uh in, in English we could watch because I think it would be qu- pretty interesting just to see how they make these noises and how they synchronize it all together and make and, and then weave it into the movie because like you said the the sounds of the weapons like there is no music or any other sound effects in the last scene it's purely from the clashing of the weapons and the movement of of, of the people that 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 sort of creates this you know unique beat to the scene and yeah you know if we could get the 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 point of view from the other side from the production side of things. It might be quite interesting. Yeah, no, yeah
2: I saw something um kind of similar to what Kenny saw and how they um put the sound effects and into the movie and it was it was pretty interesting. We have to find a video
0: yeah, I, online. I, I would like I would like to watch something like that because um I'm I'm quite curious about it. And uh but Kenny do you remember any of the answers that the documentary provided like did they did was anything is there anything that stuck out
1: it was a while back but i remember just thinking i did not realize you could make that sort of sound with this sort of thing like it, it was the thing so it was like i you wouldn't expect the objects being used to create the sound effects like to be things that they'd use sometimes
0: okay yeah no that's that's Similar interesting
1: to like how even in like you know western series how they use like yeah lettuce as the as the sort of sound for crushing skulls or whatever right is that, is that
0: what they use they use
1: they use lettuce for for skull crushing yeah okay
0: <laughs> i can see that that makes sense to me
1: crunching noise and then squelch that comes after
0: <laughs> <laughs> no that's 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 funny yeah we yeah what we need to do is we need to find like a sound engineer and 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 get them on the show so we can we can pick their brain um I'd also be curious how much because I know that like a lot of times when these movies get remastered, the sound gets adjusted or remastered too. So, you know, I don't know how much of it is the the original sound that the movie had versus you know what was added years later. Um, I found
2: something on YouTube. It's how are the sound effects of the Shaw Brothers martial arts movies um, made? It's in the documentary called Fist of Fire.
1: That's very specific. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Shaw Brothers movies only. Only a pick with the Shaw Brothers movies. Any other movies? (laughs) Out of scope.
0: Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to. We'll have to. We'll have to do a an episode on that if we can find a way. Because I think. I think. I think it's something I'm always very curious about, um, but I just don't know. You know, I just picture people in a room like slamming two sticks together, and you know, like breaking plates on the ground, and you know, uh, but they must have a system set up for this sort of thing. Um, but it seemed, but here it really seemed to work like, like that, especially like you really notice it when those shields come out and there's like, it's like, wow, that was a drum. That wasn't like, that was like, he used that shield, like a drum just now. Um, it, it really got me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I know what's, what. uh, what about the, um, you know, overall would you say that that you thought it was uh successfully handled the 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 legendary weapons framing or do you think that it was uh uh you know did did you were you disappointed that the you know uh a, after seeing it
1: mildly for me like i i, I yeah they, they showcased all the weapons i thought that was good and uh, and but like i said like if they managed to yeah, make it more a bit more obvious. Um, you know, the, the differences between each weapon type and why they were unique and not just yeah, not not just like a a reskin of another weapon type of thing. Dion, how about you?
2: Um, I thought that they. I guess I didn't need that much of an explanation of anything. I just liked seeing the different weapons instead of seeing what we normally see all the time. But, um, and the same characters using the same, pretty much uh, the same weapon the whole entire movie. But just to see uh, the different characters using different uh, weapons throughout the movie and not just having one that they're very skilled at was uh really refreshing
0: yeah I, I I like sort of the setup of I'm going to use these eighteen weapons during the movie at some point and and then you you know you know you know in in, in sort of you know it's sort of like a promise that they have to they have to uh, uh, they have to follow through on and so i like I like the concept I liked how it was handled i I feel like it's more it's more just the fact that they use them rather than you know than how how well they were necessarily used, just the fact that they were alternating weapons the way they were. Um, but I, I'd be curious, you know, uh, uh, what what a, what it might look like if it if it if it were more clear about the distinctions between the weapons, like Kenny was Kenny was uh, suggesting. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm now. I'm trying to think of how that would actually look like. What they would need to do to really. To really, yeah, it's not, it's not simple at all, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It's, I think I think it's quite difficult. Um, I mean, I was satisfied with what I saw, but I I can sort of appreciate where you're coming from on it. Um, but but yeah, I I I, I just really like the changing up at that, it, like especially when they get to like when they start uh putting the the name of the weapon across the screen. There's just kind of a cool drama to that, like oh you know just, just like a, I don't know, I, I just enjoyed that but uh and, and yeah i think uh i think the movie in general again i think it's just this it's you know we pretty much say this with every Lao kar lung movie that we like but it's just a nice blend of comedy action you know martial arts and and uh, and, and, and 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 heart like you have the relationship between the uh, the Lao, the lei kung character and and the Tian Hao character, uh, Zhao Ho's character, uh, who who you know goes from you know wanting to kill him to being nursed to health, nursed back to health by him, and then sort of having the blinders taken off uh, by him. And and uh, and and so I don't know. Did, did you guys have any thoughts on on the character relationships in that respect? And.
1: Um,
3: yeah
1: it was, I don't know I feel like some of it was sort of lost in the dub like mm. I mean I, I I could understand from context what was going on and yeah, and, and and got a little bit of a sense of the chemistry there but the actor the voice actors just made it all so bland and mm. um yeah, took I, the heart it took it, it, it was, you said the movie had heart but I feel like the voice actors took the heart out of the movie <laughs> I, th- I think
0: that is a fair assessment of the dubs um i really know like i don't think i noticed it quite so much uh the last time i saw it with the dubs on but this time i really i really was having a hard time with some of the dub the way some of the dubs were done um and maybe it was because i had just watched it with the subs on and i had a much different impression in my mind of the characters but uh but i, I think it does have an impact on it um but i don't know dion do you, do you uh, i don't know maybe i'm wrong do you do, you, do you, what, what were your thoughts on the on i guess the heart issue of the movie
2: I think that the Doves totally had an impact on it. Um, it just, the Doves made me not like the Alexander Sheng character at all mm. when I knew that I really enjoyed him the first time that I had seen it. Um, and it, I don't know, it just kind of made the characters dumber than what you thought that they were. And in some ways a little bit more harsh or harder and not as soft and uh well-defined and with without the heart you know the dubs. i agree with kenny took a lot away
0: i I feel like the dub actors were going full throttle in whatever it was they were trying to do so if they were angry they were really really angry and if they were if they were like trying to be a little bit confused they sounded baffled you know it it just there was no there was no like uh there was no shading it was just all done at volume 10 um and 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 that's not how it comes off in the uh in in the in the subtitles when you have was it a cantonese track or was it a mandarin track
2: i'm not sure
0: yeah i don't know i think it says mandarin on hong kong movie database but i i'm not 100 percent sure either um but uh but oh i think one other thing we do want to talk about what about uh the gordon luke character the the monk yeah, guy you skipped the, over <laughs> mr mr intensity in this movie um you know what do people think of him
1: yeah he he, he pulled off the very serious no funny business character um very well <laughs> <laughs> i i it's, i a few few, sort of you know in the first couple of scenes where he was there I was like is he blind I'm I'm not really sure he's just staring (laughs) so intensely at something Uh, I don't know I I, I enjoyed um, his sort of monk character (laughs) he had the head he had the hair for it already so (laughs) Um, and the hat he had
0: the conical hat that added a lot to the character
1: and the exploding Buddha on his
0: back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He has a he has like a Buddha statue on his back that that can be shot off, and he there were all kinds of little concealed weapons in that fight sequence with him, where blades were coming out of people's sleeves and like all kinds of things. But that Buddha statue was really surprising because it just shoots off of his back, and he's wearing it the whole time. So you are kind of like, what's up with this statue? Is it, you know is it, what's the significance of this? And it's cool that it it gets deployed during during that fight. Um but he was just so intense. He just seemed like such an intense character in this movie.
2: Yeah, he was way, way too serious serious, especially when you like compare him with the Alexander Fu Sheng's silly impersonator. I mean, you had two extremes in this movie. And I mean Gordon did a wonderful job, you know. Usually he can be kind of ham it up funny too, but yeah in this one he did a really good job it's different seeing him as the not necessarily the hero type
0: yeah this is him as like kind of a, i mean he's almost the closest thing the movie has to a villain wouldn't you say like i mean there's the other uh there's the um what is it the, the ttn character but he kind of only is at the beginning and then he shows up and then he's quickly diffused but i felt like the every time i see this the character i'm most afraid of is the gordon luke character Oh yeah, um, definitely. And and he he's almost like a like a um, I don't know what you would call him, but he's like a like out of a slasher movie type thing. You know, he's he's like a he's just kind of walking around, and he's like the the martial arts exterminator is how he comes across to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it feels because I, I guess it does feel a lot like the movie setting the tone that people might get. Persuaded, redeemed, or otherwise, you know, swayed over to the side. That doesn't send people up against machine guns. Um, whereas his character does seem like the type that is like he—he he was so intense and just seemed so unyielding, and like he was never going to really compromise. So you know you're right in the sense that he was. Probably the the most antagonistic of the of the people who showed up like even the the sect master seemed a bit more reasonable than yeah. than he did cuz he cuz he, he he was the one that was like oh they oh, uh those disciples just got shot in the heart and died all right next batch let's yeah. try that again That's yeah cuz he, he was in char- <laughs> he was the
0: one that was tr- like le- like like training them and 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 leading the performance and and yeah they, they these guys just dropped dead and he's like okay you know next group and 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 then like they have to you know put an end to it it was, it was uh you know but his character was just so committed um and so uh, yeah i don't know i i uh, uh and and even in that fight he's like still convinced that they're going to figure out how to do it it's just like a matter of of perfecting the technique or something um you know he has a whole there's a whole debate that he has with the lei kung character uh that that is ultimately i think meant to persuade uh zhao ho's character but uh but yeah, I know I, I really enjoyed Gordon Liu in this movie, and I and I liked I like some of the things he had him do, like the thing where uh, where Lau Kar Lung's fingers get stuck in his shoulder blades when he you know he he tries to he tries to like like ridge hand him in the back, and he just squeezes him and and pins him in place. Uh, you know, there's all these like you know cool little moves like that. But um, but yeah, I don't know any any other thoughts in the movie.
1: No, I, I can I I want to see if I can find a copy of this movie in the original, um, in the original language with uh, subtitles, um, just to, because it's not it's not on Netflix over here. So I, I,
0: (laughs) you can get it on Dragon Dynasty, I believe. I forget which were. I have a version of it that's like I got one of these DVDs that has four different movies on it, and Legendary Weapons of China was one of them um but uh but i think there's a like a normal dragon dynasty version of it out there that you can get um it should be yeah. you know it's, so, it's a good
1: uh, yeah I was say, like, it just it just sounds like I, I feel like i I'd enjoyed the movie a lot more if it was uh it, you know in the original voices and being able to hear the acting um instead of just seeing it and hearing something completely different <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it does make a difference. What I can do is I can try to link to it in the podcast description if it's uh, if it's available, um, which we should be able to find out pretty quickly. Uh, you know, any any other thoughts before we head out?
2: There is an interview somewhere on the internet um, with uh, Lao Karl Liang about the legendary weapons of China, and I think it's why he chose to showcase those certain weapons. And the only reason why I remembered it is because he talked about the um, little fuzzball at the end of the spears being a blood uh, blood splatter guard to protect the person who was wielding it from the other person's
0: blood. That's
2: I remember that. that, that that's from a that really interview.
0: that's a really cool but unnerving thing to have invented. Like a you know like like the, that like that people's blood spattering on you is a problem. So you need to you need to invent a guard. Uh, <laughs> to, to, <laughs> that's uh that's interesting yeah I, I i think i think there was something like that on the dvd too i that maybe that's where that comes from um but i'll have to i'll have to look it up uh I, I don't i i'm as you know people can't see but i'm I'm not at my normal location so i don't have access to the dvd right now um but yeah so uh so again there's an interview with uh lu Feng that lady chow fung did uh up on um on the podcast channel uh, which people can check out and we also posted the actual uh, uh, video footage on the Wuxia Weekend Facebook page so you can see it there and it's definitely worth checking out there's a, there's a lot of cool information in it um, and we'll be back on next week I believe we're supposed to do a Chinese ghost story 2011 we're going to continue with the Hoy, uh um, theme for the month and and then we'll we'll uh, I think next month we're going to be doing something Halloween theme, which should be interesting. So, um, so all right. So until then, we will talk to you later.